0: church. It's good to see all of you here. It's great to be with those of you who are at the Myerstown campus today. We want to greet you today. Those of you who are watching online as well and everybody here at the Lancaster campus, uh, you can take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in that chapter today. And just by way of, <clears throat> excuse me, reminder, We are in this series, as you've just seen. By the way, that's like the first time I've really ever gotten to watch that video. I'm usually scampering backstage after leading worship, Um, but it's really cool. I like it. I'm always kind of bopping to the music, but 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 now I actually got to see it. So um, anyway, we're in this series called "Different," which is a study of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, really the premise of this sermon that Jesus gives to us in in Matthew five, six, and seven is this idea that we're blessed to be different. We're blessed to be different. Uh, and and what he goes on to say in in this in this sermon, he starts with the beatitudes, right? Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, um, because you will receive the kingdom of heaven. You you will be comforted. And on and he on he goes. That's the blessing that he describes to us. But we're blessed to be different. And he tells us in this sermon how we are to be different as people who follow Jesus Christ, who who worship the Father, right? And so he says. We're different because because essentially the premise of, of, of the Sermon on the Mount is that our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious teachers of the day. All right? And so how is it that we're supposed to be different? How is it that our righteousness should be exceeding the righteousness that the people would have been familiar with? Well, he says that we need to that we need to have a different standard for things. He he talks to them and he says he says you've heard that this was said, but I say to you. So he clarifies what some things mean. He clarifies and raises the standard for what what How we think about anger, how we think about lust, how we think about the commitments that we make, and how we think about about loving other people, even even our enemies. And then in the next point of the sermon, he says, now that you guys understand what these different standards are, now I'm going to talk to you about how to live out that righteousness, And really, the three main ways that that righteousness would have been lived out in that Jewish culture of the day would would have been by giving alms, by prayer, and by fasting. And he says, listen, the motivation that you have for those things needs to be proper. You need to be properly motivated, not to do those things so that other people would see that you're doing them and you receive praise for them. But no, our motivation should be for the praise of the Father, the reward of the Father in heaven. And as he's in this second point, he speaks about almsgiving. He speaks about this idea of giving for about three verses. And then next week, we're going to see that he, that he speaks about this idea of, of fasting for about three verses. But in between those two, he sandwiches uh, this teaching on prayer that actually lasts for 11 verses. And so what that communicates to me is that this idea of prayer, this topic of prayer is incredibly important to Jesus and it should be incredibly important to us as well. And so Jesus today, what we're going to learn today is that Jesus shows us a different way to pray. He he gives us a model to pray and that prayer is to look different Right? It's to look different. And all of us pray in a lot of different ways. And, and some of us may have even prayed in some different ways, like we'll see on the screen right here. About to receive from your body to Christ our Lord. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Name. Jesus, name! Amen. 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 All in heaven, hello be my name. Hello be my name to the Father, with a dance, one nation, under God, and two people, <laughs> let's eat and do
1: fall. Amen. I am here, and I will say,
0: give Jesus us sword, Lord our daily. Be amen. amen. Now say your prayers to Jesus over you. Say your prayers to Jesus over you. I <laughs> all right, you ready to eat? Here we got pray. Say, dear Lord, we thank you for this food and for this <laughs> day. Oh, we're still praying. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And all the angels, and thank you for our our pizza and our plates and our and our cups and and our silverware. Um, and our sugar, and thanks for um, baby Jesus, and thanks for Christmas Eve, and thanks for all our presents, and thanks for my friends, and my brother's friends, and my dad's friends, and my mom's friends, and my friends, amen. 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 I don't know about you, but I saw myself in that video a few times, right? How do you pray? How do you pray? Are you like the drifter, right, who, who starts in one place and ends up in another and you have no idea how you got there? Or are you the babbler who's just, uh, uh, you know, kind of, kind of just saying like, Nonsensical things, or are you the speed racer, right? Blah, 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 amen. I want to get to the good stuff after the prayer, right? Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe you're the kind of person who prays uh, uh, just to show how good you are at it. Or maybe that's how you used to pray, or something like that. Listen, we all pray in different ways, and, 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 and Jesus wants us, God, the Father, wants us to pray with the faith of a child. He tells us that he wants us to have the faith of a child, but listen, he doesn't want us to remain childlike in our understanding of what the purpose of prayer is and what the practice of prayer is and and he wants us he he wants us to have a loving intimate relationship with him and he wants us to he wants our enjoyment of prayer to increase because i know in my experience and i would imagine the experience of many of us in the room today is the same is that sometimes prayer is a labor right? Sometimes prayer is something that we feel like we have to do, and maybe if we don't do it, we sort of have these guilty feelings associated with it, right? But what Jesus is going to give us today is a pattern, is a model that's going to help us to kind of cross over into that. uh, as, As we practice what Jesus teaches us today. It's going to help us to grow in our enjoyment of prayer, in our, in our fellowship with the Father, in our, uh, in our understanding of what the purpose of prayer really is. And so the main point that, that, that I think Jesus wants us to come away with today is this. And you might want to write this down. Uh, the main point is that our Father knows what we need better Then we know what we need ourselves. And so he gives us this model prayer to meet the deepest need of our hearts, which is intimate relationship with the Father intimate relationship with the Father. I'll say that again. Our Father knows what we need better than we do, so He gives us a model prayer to meet the deepest need of our hearts, which is intimate relationship with Him. So if you're here today and, and your prayer life is rocking, like, like it's, it's sweet, or if you're here today, and, and you, and, and you kind of struggle with this idea of prayer, and it's, it, it really is a labor, and, 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 and there are guilt associations, uh, feelings associated with prayer, or maybe you're here today, and you don't have any prayer life at all. Listen, I think Jesus has something to say to every single person who is here today because he's gonna gonna bring some adjustment to the way that we think about prayer. He's going to, and he may even bring a revival in our hearts today from what he teaches in this text so let's jump right in and, and, and let's, talk about, let's talk about this, this, this text. Um, it's going to start in verse 7. And, and basically point number one is this. Praying differently means we get to come to the Father with confidence. We get to come to the Father with confidence. Look at verse 7 in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So Jesus says, And when you pray, He assumes that his followers are going to want to pray, and he just addressed with them why they pray. Now he's going to address what we pray. He already talked about the why. Now he's going to give us what to pray. But he really starts with what not to pray, right? Look what he says. He says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Why? For they think that they will be heard for their many words. This idea of empty phrases is also translated in, in other translations as meaningless repetition or, or babbling or, or vain repetition might be a, a, a term that, that we're used to that we're used to hearing. And, and it kind and, and this idea is it kind of reminds me of that story in the old. Old Testament, where where Elijah uh, had this contest or this this uh, uh, battle with with the prophet, the 450 prophets of Baal, and and the, and and the challenge is for either Elijah or the or the prophets to get. God's fire to come down and consume the altar or the offering that's on the altar. And these prophets of Baal, they, 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 they run around and, like, they're praying these prayers and incantations and mantras. And they're, and they're doing all of these things to try to get their God to respond to them, which, of course, he doesn't, right? And, 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 and they're just repeating over and over and over again these prayers, that are meant to get their God's attention. Friends, this is a picture of, of people who, who desperately are trying to meet the need of their own hearts. What is that need? That we would know that God hears us, that there is a God who hears us and, and, and wants to work on our behalf. And it's not just an isolated thing that that happened just you know in the old testament or whatever there's there's people all over the world today even in our own community today who 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 set up these elaborate religious systems in order to try to know or get god to respond to them or, or to hear them, so, so, so they pray these memorized prayers over and over and over, or, or, or they, they light candles, or, or they, or they um, uh, do these incantations, or spin prayer wheels, or, or pray with beads, or whatever it, it might be, or, or set up all of these different traditions that are meant to address this longing that we have in our hearts for relationship with God. And to this kind of praying, this kind of religion, these constructs that, that are set up, Jesus says, verse 8, do not be like them do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He says, don't be like them. Don't pray meaningless, uh, meaningless prayers. Don't pray these, these uh, prayers that are thoughtless or formulaic that are kind of like, that are kind of like the quarters that we stick into a vending machine. And then we select the candy bar that we want, right? Don't, don't, don't don't read the verse of the day and pray the verse of the day, so that you can say, "I did my devotions today, and I believe now God should give me a great day." Don't, don't, don't uh, pray. Don't, don't come to church thinking that if I come to church often enough, that I can, that I can then check off the religion box off of my to-do list believing that maybe if I do enough like that, God God will bless me. That's what God is saying He does not want us to do. Especially when we're praying. Instead, this this is what He says. He says, we can come to the Father with confidence with the confidence that God does hear us, that God already knows what we need before we even ask Him. Because, because, listen, we serve a God who numbers the hairs on our head. The Scriptures tell us that He keeps our tears in a bottle. The Scripture tells us that He knows when we when we lie down and when we rise up. He knows our thoughts from afar off and and friends he knows the sparrows of the field and we are of much more value than those than than every sparrow and and he desires relationship with us the father wants relationship over ritual relationship over ritual That's what he desires. And so that's why we can come to him and have a real relationship with him where we really express the the deep needs of our hearts, the desires of our hearts, the things that are going on in our lives. We can come to him. We can ask him about those things. We can tell him about those things. And if I were you sitting there, I would be asking myself this question. Well, you you say that I I can tell God all of these things, right? But he just told me, he just said... That God already knows. Why do I got to tell God about these things if He already knows? Why do I got to ask Him for stuff if He already knows what I need anyway? Am am I not going to just annoy Him? And to that, I would say, and I think Jesus says, we we need to understand prayer a little bit better because prayer to God is about much more than just getting what we want. It's about so much more than that, friends. Listen, if you're in a relationship with someone and all you ever do is is you kind of talk to them and you you talk to them about the things that you want and that you need out of the relationship. And that's the the extent of the conversation that you have. And then you express disappointment to them every time that your needs aren't met. How long do you think that relationship's gonna last? How, How fulfilling do you think you're gonna be in a relationship like that? How annoyed will that other person be if that's, if that's the extent of the relationship? No, we, we all know that relationships need to be different than that, that they're mutually beneficial, right? And so I think that this idea of, of, of prayer being about more than, than just asking God for stuff and getting him to give, it back, to give us what we want is captured in this quote by uh, a guy named Daniel Henderson. He says this, Worship-based prayer seeks the face of God before the hand of God. God's face is the essence of who he is. God's hand is the blessing of what he does. God's face represents his person and his presence. God's hand expresses his provision for needs in our lives. And I have learned, Henderson says, that if all we ever do is seek God's hand, we may miss his face. But if we seek his face, he will be glad to open his hand and satisfy the deepest desires of our hearts. And so the question for us in, 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 in that is, what are we seeking in prayer? It's a challenging question, I know. But I think Jesus is calling us to seek the Father's face. Because the Father wants to have a relationship with us. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And listen, that verse is not another quarter in the vending machine. That verse is not another key to unlocking, getting the things that I want. No, I think what that verse is communicating to us is that when we delight ourselves into the, in, in the Lord, He will begin to change our hearts, to change our perspectives, to open up our eyes to the reality that the real need of our hearts, The real thing that we are all longing for the most is intimate relationship with the Father, not all the other stuff. And that when we get our eyes on that, everything else, the the things that we thought were a big deal become not such a big deal anymore. But time with Him and relationship with Him and following Him becomes so much more important and actually does satisfy us, does meet our deepest longings. And to develop that relationship, Jesus tells us to point number two, practice the Father's presence. Uh, Excuse me, practice the Father's pattern. Practice the Father's pattern. I guess you could put presence in there too. Because look what he says. He gives us us the Lord's Prayer. We we are familiar with with what this says, starting in verse 9. Pray then like this, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So point number two is practice. The Father's pattern. Why do we call this a pattern? Well, I think it's a pattern or a model because Jesus says, pray then like this. He doesn't say pray this prayer, although it's okay to pray this prayer as long as we refer back to point number one and we don't just say it without thinking about it in a meaningless, ritualistic way that that is just meant to sort of unlock the things that we want from God. And the pattern is this: the pattern that he gives us is your glory and our good. Let's say that together: your glory and our good, your glory and our good. Where do you? Where? Where do we see this? Well, look what the text says. It it, it says, uh, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name." Your kingdom come, your will be done. We, we begin with praying for your glory, and then we move into give us this day our daily bread. Give us, uh, uh, forgive us from our sins. Lead us, deliver us. We pray for our good. So he begins the prayer with, your glory. Because this, this, this centers our prayer lives on the glory of God, on the person of Jesus, on the face of our Father in heaven. And that's the first phrase that we pray, our Father in heaven. And I recognize that in a room full of people with this amount of this this many people here. I recognize that praying to praying to someone who calls himself father might be a very difficult thing, because I, I recognize that the example that we have of fathers it just drums up all kinds of things. There 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 are there are great examples of fathers, but. They're no longer here. Um, there are there are other examples of fathers who left a lot to be desired in their relationship with us. And then in my case, and maybe your case too, there there is no relationship at all. I I, I my mom and my dad uh, parted ways when I was six months old. I've never spoken to or never met my father. And and what, what has occurred because of that? There's a void, right? There's there's all of us have this longing in our hearts for relationship with our fathers. And so and and so I, I recognize today that praying to a, a father conjures up all of these different emotions. And, and, and maybe even stirs up some things that aren't pretty. But, but what we can do is we can recognize what Jesus teaches us is that we have a Father in heaven who can fill that void, who can meet those needs because he's a good Father. Father. Because he, is, because he is a patient father, because he is a present father, because he is a, a kind father, a father who cares about us deeper than we could ever imagine. And it's to that kind of father that we pray. And we say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallow means basically to acknowledge or recognize or set apart God's name as holy. It means to say, God, your name is better than every other name. Your your name is set apart from everything else in in the best way. There's nothing like, there's no one like you, Lord, and when we, when, we, when we hallow the name of God, when, it, when, when scripture refers to the name of God, he's saying this is the totality. It means the totality of who God is. It's the essence of who God is. So when we hallow the name of God, we, we say that everything that you are, Lord, is holy. Holy. And so if you look in your notes today, we've provided this little chart that, that kind of lists out um, a, a, a number of different things as we pray through the Lord's Prayer, all kinds of different scripture references and things like that. And that is for you to take and use however you, however you would like. But in the column that, that talks about hallowing the name of God, uh, we, we listed there the, what the names of God in scripture are. And so you can pray through the names of God in Scripture, or you can pray through the attributes of God. And basically what we're doing when we do those things is we're saying, God, I love you because you are holy. I worship you because you are good and faithful and righteousness, and you are a healer. I praise you, God, because there's no one like you. There's none beside you. You are, you are uh, high and exalted, and yet you are... You are so close to the brokenhearted. And so we give God praise when we hallow his name. And we tell him how much he means to us. That's what it means to hallow the name of God. And then we move into praying, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. And I think there's three different ways that we can pray your kingdom come. Number one, we pray for his rule in our hearts. The kingdom of God, is anywhere that the king rules. Is anywhere that the king rules. And so we want to pray that God would rule in our hearts. And Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we pray that God would fill our hearts with righteousness and joy and peace. And and that is where the king is ruling in hearts like that. The second way that we can, I believe, we can pray for the kingdom of God is is that his reign through the church would be extended. His reign through the church would be extended. The kingdom of God in our time, in our day, is being extended by the, the establishment and the expansion of the church. And so we can pray Jesus, build your church, continue to do what you've promised to do and give us the boldness to be a part of the process as we share the gospel with other people, as we make disciples, as we grow in our faith, and as we reach out to help the church to become stronger and better. And then finally, the ultimate fulfillment of God's kingdom will happen when Jesus returns. So we pray that Jesus would return. And we express our longing for that day. Just like John did at the end of the book of Revelation. He prays, he prays very simply, come Lord Jesus. So we can pray that his kingdom would come literally and become a literal reality on the earth according to his timeline. And be praying for that and be prepared for that as we live out our faith and then from there we pray. We pray, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And sometimes this idea of praying for God's will can be confusing, right? Because we're like, well, God, what is your will in this? Should I take this job or should I take this uh, this job over here? Or should I or should I take this class or or should I, should I should I should I go here for dinner or should I put these socks on or these socks? You know, sometimes we ask these crazy questions. But listen, the word of God makes it very clear what God's will is. One of the best passages that I think that we could refer to about the will of God is 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18, which says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. What? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we can look in God's word at lots of places where it talks about his will. Basically anything that God commands is his will for us. But we can take a passage like this and say, listen, that's a pretty simple list. Rejoice, pray always, wait, rejoice always, pray in, uh, at all times, and, and give thanks in all circumstances. An incredibly simple list, right? But not so easy to fulfill. That's why we need to pray for God's help in doing His will on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. How are things done in heaven? Perfectly, right? 100% all the way perfectly. And so, so I, think that this, I think that this on earth as it is in heaven actually applies to all three of those. When we, want, we want God's name to be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we were doing this morning as we were worshiping God. Um, we want God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get heaven's will done on earth. And so when we pray for the glory of God, when we pray for these three things, it refreshes our perspective. When we pray through the attributes of God in hallowing his name, doesn't that engender confidence for us? Doesn't that build our confidence that that the things that we're going to be praying for, this God can do. This God gives us promises that he will do things in our lives. That he does care for us and that he is strong enough, that he is able and it refreshes our perspective on the things that are going on in our lives. It gives us confidence. And, it, and, and praying for God's glory reminds us of our mission and the calling that he has on our lives. And it really just sets our hearts in the right place to do the second thing, which is to pray for our good. To pray for our good. And we begin doing that by saying, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, provide for the physical and practical needs that I have as a believer. Now, in Jesus' day, people worked and received their wages at the end of each work day. So you worked for a day and you got paid at the end of the day when the job was done. And that's how they provided for themselves. And, and, and so praying for daily needs was critical because, listen, if a person got sick and they couldn't work for a couple of days, then they didn't eat for a couple of days. And so Jesus tells them to pray for daily physical needs needs and listen our reality for most of us is is not this not 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 the same as that reality but but that doesn't change the fact that we are still completely dependent on the Lord for all the things that we need. We're dependent on him for the finances that we need, for the jobs that we need, for the homes that we live in, for the clothing that's on our back, for the food that is on our table. And 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 we need to be constantly praying that God would provide those needs for us today. But I think it's more than just providing those kinds of needs. I think it's also the practical needs, like praying for wisdom. James tells us to pray for wisdom. Um, we can pray for strength. We can pray for perseverance through difficult times, maybe through illnesses or, or, or whatever, uh, whatever trial you're going through. We can pray for courage and boldness in certain situations where, where we, we, fear, we feel fear coming on. These are the things that we need to be praying for. And, and praying, in praying for all of these different daily bread kind of needs, we're, we're, we're basically saying, God, I can't do this myself. I'm dependent on you and your resources in heaven to come and meet the needs in my life. So we pray for daily bread. We pray for the physical and practical needs, but we also have uh, we also have to pray for spiritual and relational relational needs. And this is this is where it begins to we begin to understand how well God knows us as people. Because honestly, for me, I would, I would just stop at like, hey, hey, Lord, give me daily bread. Like provide the physical and practical needs that I, that I have. Because I sometimes kind of want to ignore or shove under the carpet the other things that Jesus is going to talk about. But he says, you have spiritual and relational needs as well. And he says, when he says, uh, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Friends, there's a very present reality in all of our lives Of sin, every one of us deals with this, and and sin affects our relationship with God massively. It, it affects our relationship with other people massively. But, but what I want to clarify here is, is that what Jesus is saying when he says, forgive us our debts, is not that that we, that we would pray to the Father. Every time we say the Lord's Prayer or use this prayer as a model, that we're not coming to the Father and say, God, you, would you please forgive me of my sins because I, I, I'm not saved anymore, so I need to, I need to be forgiven again. Listen, listen, when, when we come to Christ, when, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we believe the gospel and we repent of our sins, we are saved once and for all. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are adopted into the family of God. We, are, we, are, we begin a, a new relationship with our Father in heaven and there is nothing that can snatch us out of his hands. There is nothing that we can do to lose that salvation once he has done it because it's a work of His grace, it's not done by our works." And so when we pray, Father, forgive us of our debts. We're not saying, God, I need to be saved again. God, what we're praying is, God, we're, God, I've done some things that have affected the relationship that I have with you. That have affected the intimacy that I that we have with one another. It has broken fellowship with you, and and I know that I need to get. I want to get that restored. And whenever we come and pray to the Father in that way, and we ask Him to forgive us of our sins, and we confess our sins. First John one nine says He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful to answer that prayer. But he also says, he gives a qualifier of it, and he says, as you also have forgiven your debtors, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and, 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 and you gotta sh- scratch your head and be like, oh my goodness, like that's a shocking statement. That is a convicting statement. He's saying, he's saying to ask the father forgiveness only so much as, the, as to the extent that I have forgiven those who've offended me. He's reminding us that our fellowship with him is affected by our fellowship with others. Our spiritual lives are impacted by our relationships. Our relationship with the Father is affected and impacted by our relationships with other people. And and I think when Jesus says this statement to the people there who are gathered, they probably are like, what? Say, what? What? And, and 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 Jesus realizes that he keeps going, but then he comes back around and he clarifies exactly what he means. And so we're going to get back into this a little bit in a moment. But but. Jesus knows that we have physical needs and he tells us to pray to the father for those physical needs. He knows also so much better than we do that we have some serious spiritual needs that we need to address with him to keep our relationship, uh, to keep our accounts short with the father. And so we need to pray that he would forgive us And that we have relational uh, things that we need to pray about as well. But then Jesus calls us to pray for moral needs when he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I gotta just say, like, when you get to this point, like, does God know us or what? Like, is he a genius? The creator knows the creation. Because... I'm not super excited about praying for that kind of stuff, right? Because I, I my eyes are on the things, right? My eyes are on the stuff. My eyes are on earth. But he knows that there's things happening around us that we need protection from. He knows that, that we can't protect ourselves, so we've got to ask the Father to protect us and deliver us from the evil that would want to beset us. And so we need to come to him, and we need to pray that, 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 that he would give us the strength and the grace and the perseverance that we need to, to overcome come the trials and the temptations that, that are going to come our way he knows that we need that, that we're in a tremendous battle with our flesh and there's this internal temptation that's churning in our hearts and 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 that we need to pray and ask God and plead with God our Father to help us to walk in the Spirit and not to gratify the desires of the flesh. He knows that there's a world system and a world philosophy out there that is very crafty and that is sometimes very convincing and that really seek, seeks to sneak in and infiltrate our thinking and we need to pray that God God would enable us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and destroy every argument and stronghold that is made against the knowledge of God. And he also knows that we have an enemy. That, that there is a devil, that there is an accuser, that there is a murderer, that there is, there, there is one who is out there who is prowling around like a roaring lion, and he's seeking people to destroy. He, he steals and kills and destroys, and that we are not smarter than him. We are not crafty as he is. And so we need to pray for the ability and the protection to stand firm in the evil day, to stand firm against the devil, to put on the armor of God and to, and to, and to resist the devil so that he would flee from us. Friends, our God knows us, and he knows what's going on around us, even the things that we can't see. And I got to say, there's probably, there's probably so many times that God does things in our lives, and we are completely oblivious to it, when it comes to the spiritual realm especially. And he, he protects us and sometimes we, we pray this prayer and, and we kind of think of it in a way that's just sort of like, all right, I'll just do it because I know, I, I know that I need to do it. And on, going on around us in the spiritual realm, there is a massive battle being fought. And, and we need to have our eyes opened up to it. And realize that when we pray, deliver us from evil, there is, a, there is some major stuff happening. And you look back over this entire prayer, and I, I just marvel, I marvel at how well God knows us. He says, he knows what you need, knows what we need before we even ask him. And, and, and this prayer proves it because, listen, if I were to make up, if, if, it, was, if it was the lover's prayer instead of the Lord's prayer, Levern is my last name, by the way, just in case you don't know. If it was the Lovern's prayer, I would, I would probably start and end with, give, us, give me today my daily bread, Lord. That's, that's about it. But God knows us. Our Creator knows us so well. He knows that we need to have our eyes set on heaven, that we need to pray for the glory of God. And that we need to focus on that first, on his name, on his kingdom, and his will, and that that frees us from the short-sightedness that we experience that makes mountains out of molehills, right? He knows that we need to tend to the spiritual and moral needs of our lives as well as the physical and practical needs. And he also knows that one of the biggest things we need to pray about is our relationships. And so that's why he circles back to address forgiveness And he tells us to point number three, reflect the father's redemption. Reflect the father's redemption. Look what he says in verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And so he comes back around and he's clarifying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And, and remember what we said about that. That, that prayer is not a, not a salvation prayer. It's a fellowship and relationship prayer. It's about the intimacy that we have with the Father, and it's about the relationships that we have with other people. He's addressing the same thing. Uh, my heart and my mind wants to run right to, oh my gosh, is Jesus saying here that before he saves me, before he forgives me of my sins, I have to forgive other people? That's where my heart would want to go, or my my mind would want to go, but then I need to look at the rest of the scriptures. I need to look at the rest of the scriptures that are very incredibly clear that salvation is not by works, but but that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, And and, and that forgiveness is a work that flows out of our own forgiveness, our own salvation onto others. So if we want to maintain intimacy with the Father, we have to maintain our relationships with one another. Jesus is saying that he wants our relationships with others to reflect the redemptive, gospel-centered relationship that we have with him. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for us, and in dying on the cross, he canceled all the debt that we owed because of our sins against a holy God. And he then offers us the opportunity to receive that forgiveness, to receive that debt cancellation And begin a relationship with him through repentance and faith. So when we repent of our sins, when we turn from sin and turn toward God and and believe the, the gospel, we're saved. That's the story of redemption. And Jesus tells us to reflect that story of redemption in our relationships with other people. So we have to except this time except this time we 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 are the ones who initiate the forgiveness we are the ones who are responsible to forgive so we'd have to define forgiveness so when a person harms us or offends us or sins against us in some way or takes something from us they become in our debt. They owe us something. Or at least that's the, that's what happens in our hearts and our minds. And and um, there are a lot of negative associations and feelings that, that come along with that. We, we we want them to pay us back. They owe us and and I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that they know it. Or I'm gonna get them back. You know, that's our, that's our fleshly impulse. But what forgiveness is, is when that happens, we cancel the debt. We say, you don't owe me. I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to require repayment of this. Most of the time, they can't repay anyway. And, and I'm not going to wish harm on you. I'm not going to take vengeance on you. I'm not going to, to wish retribution on you or say that you, you, you deserve whatever it is you get as a result of this. But just to be clear... We need to talk about what forgiveness is not. That forgiveness is our responsibility to cancel the debt, to say you don't owe us anymore, you don't owe me anymore. But forgiveness is not reconciliation necessarily. It is not necessarily res- restoration of the relationship, and here's why. Because the story of redemption is that God offers us this forgiveness that he purchased for us because he canceled the debt. He offers it to us, but we have to respond in repentance and faith and the same is true in our relationships with one another we offer forgiveness to a person we make that decision in our own hearts and it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't even have to be something that's expressed necessarily it can be it doesn't have to be but we we decide in our own hearts i'm not going to hold this against that person and that opens up the door for them to then then come in repentance and And reconcile the relationship. The relationship does not get reconciled if that person is not repentant. If that person does not admit that they've sinned against you. If that person does not not say, I'm sorry or please forgive me. If that doesn't happen, the relationship changes and reconciliation is still hindered. But our forgiveness opens the door for that relationship to be restored. And, and, and I, I can just picture in, in, in your hearts, in your minds, because it, because it happens in my mind, like, like this person hurt me really badly and, and God is calling me to open the door for continued relationship with them. I, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not sure I can do that. And if you're sitting here today and you're struggling with unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment in your heart towards somebody, there's there's three things that I'd like to say as we close this morning. Number one, God knows you. And he knows what you've experienced and we know how and he knows how hurtful that experience was and and he he does not minimize the hurt that that caused you he does not excuse the sin that that person committed against you he will hold that person accountable for that but god also knows that if you hold on to bitterness and resentment and forgiveness, that really you're just hurting yourself. St. Augustine said this, resentment or bitterness or unforgiveness, however you wanna say it, is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. God doesn't desire that. That is not God's will for you. The second thing that I would like to propose to those who are believers here is I would like to humbly request or submit to you that perhaps if you're sitting here struggling and you have this person's face in your mind and you're saying, I can't do it. I can't, that what they did to me was too much for me to forgive. I would humbly submit to you that perhaps you need to consider that you have an incomplete understanding of the gospel. Because a complete understanding of the gospel communicates to us that we have this infinite debt something that we could never repay because of our sins committed against the father and when Jesus went to the cross he completely wiped it away and paid for it with his own blood and And when we experience that forgiveness and that redemption and he applies that forgiveness to our lives, it frees us. It it changes us. It changes the way that we think. And it changes our motivations. And it gives, it stirs up within the believer who truly understands. It stirs up this desire to want other people to experience that same kind of forgiveness. And we come to the realization that is incompatible in the Christian life for us to say, we've been forgiven of this, but I won't forgive this. And the final thing that I would say is, you you might be sitting here and saying, I I still don't get it. I I still don't think that I have the power to do this. And to that, I would say, amen, you don't. None of us in and of ourselves have have the power to express that kind of forgiveness. but the person who knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior does. And so today, if you're, if you're struggling with this idea of forgiveness, perhaps you haven't experienced forgi- God's forgiveness in your own life. And, and if that's you today, oh, I would plead with you. I would plead with you, come to Christ. Come to him confess your sins to him admit that you've broken his holy standard in your life and and repent turn away from those things and turn toward the living God and believe the gospel that Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins and then defeated death and rose from the grave on the third day so that you could experience forgiveness when you repent and believe in that and then when that happens, friends, you receive His forgiveness and you receive the power to forgive other people. And it's at that moment also that your relationship with God begins. And then, and, and then that enables you to come to the Father with confidence, knowing that He knows you and, and, and he, can, he knows that the greatest desire of your heart is intimate relationship with him. And that you can experience that intimate relationship with him by praying through the Lord's prayer and, and, and just experiencing God's love wash over you so that the, the real needs of your life will be met. And, and, and you... Have a relationship then with, with, with a God that fulfills you in a way that you've never experienced before. It's our prayer that that you would know him. He, he's calling to you. So let's call out to him. Father, we 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 pray that you would convict hearts today that you would speak to us today that you would enable us lord to come to you with confidence that you would enable us to fellowship with you in this way and to pray to you about these things that are that are that are not natural to us and ultimately so uh a byproduct of that would be uh, that our relationships with other people as well as our relationship with you would be the best that they can possibly be. Lord, we pray. We, we, we call out to your name today, Father. We call on you because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can, can, can experience the intimacy that you promised to us. We pray this in Jesus' precious name, amen.